Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. All right. It's good to be in the house. You could be seated. You could be seated. I got to tell you, man, it, it feels like, you know, I was telling, uh, telling Jacob, you know, that Osbury revival. You don't need to search for revival. You guys are in revival right here, man. This is revival. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in revival. Come on. You guys should be excited about that. I, uh, Pastor Omar's right. I, I first want to give a shout out to my pastors, Pastors Omar, Sister Letty. Um, they, they have been such an inspiration to me and my wife all of our life, practically. We got saved when we were 16. I, I was 16. She was 17. And, uh, and it was actually in this building. It was this building. It didn't look like this. Uh, we had metal chairs and uh, linoleum floors and just one banner hanging on the wall. And, and, uh, but God has done incredible, an incredible work. And uh, I, I'm here today. M- my family is where it is today because our pastors, Pastors Omar Sleti, paved the way. Led and are still leading with great integrity. You, you can't ha- experience a revival like this without integrity. And uh, they, they just exemplify that in so many ways. And not only that, but they are our spiritual parents. He's my spiritual father. Uh, you know, growing up at a time where I didn't, my dad wasn't in my life or present in my life. And to come into a church like this and, uh, and really encounter a, a father-son relationship, spiritual father and a son, it, it changed my life forever. So can we just give them a hand, our pastors, Pastor Omar Sonette this morning. So blessed. The team here, I've got some pictures I'll show in the second service. Uh, for the sake of time, though, I, I won't be able to do it in this first one. But um, I, I have a picture of, of Omar and uh, Danielle and my daughter when they were, they were toddlers. And uh, I'll show that in the next service. So, uh, But I'm just so blessed to be here this morning. How many ready for conference? Anybody ready for conference? Come on, man. We're going to have a great time. Pastor Omar is right. It's going to be one of the greatest conferences we ever have. But every year, it just gets better and better anyway. So, uh, But this year, you don't want to miss out. It is going to be an exciting time. I'm looking forward to it. Our church is excited for it. Um, and I, I know we're going to be blessed. This morning, I want to minister a message that I've entitled, My Life's Profile. Everybody say that with me. My Life's Profile. We all have a profile. If you're on social media, you have a profile picture, and uh, you probably put the best picture that you think on that profile, right? You know, it's it's never going to be the picture that uh, is ugly or the picture that is, is that just in case? Okay. You're going to swap me. Okay. All right. You want to come up here and help me? All right. Don't undress me, man. talking. It's kind of hard when you're behind me. Keep talking, man. Whatever. All right. (laughs) Okay. Here you go. Go for it. Go ahead. All right. All right. Wardrobe change. You guys good? All right. Everybody good? All right. Much better. All right. We all have this profile picture that we have on our page because we want to, we make sure we put the best one up there, right? We want to make sure we look our best. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, But I want to, I want to show you some pictures this morning. Have you ever looked at a picture and had to take a second look at it? I mean, you've seen it maybe on social media, you've seen it and you go, wait a minute, it doesn't look like what the picture is portraying. So I have a couple pictures I want to throw up. Let's throw the first one up there. All right. So you guys can see that, right? (laughs) So at first glance, it, it looks like can you see it? All right. 
it looks like the baby is, is an, an old baby, right? So, uh, but if you look closely, you can see the baby, the face is right here, um, but it's, you have to take a second look at it, right? You have to take a second glance because at face value, uh, it, it, something doesn't look right, okay? Let's throw the next one up here. All right, now this one looks sort of normal, but there's something off here. Here's what I wanna do. If you see it, raise your hand. Okay, some of you see it? All right. Some of you, how many have seen this already on social media before? Raise your hand, okay, so you know what it is. All right, so what's going on here is, looks, looks like it's, it's normal, looks like a normal picture, but what she is holding is a popcorn bag right here. If you can see it there on the, it, it, I know at first glance, it's hard to see. <laughs> Let me say this. In life, we can look at things, and at face value, everything look okay. Everything can look like everything is working okay. But there can be a lot of things going on that are unhealthy. And I want to talk about that this morning because let me ask this question. What does an unbelieving world see when they look at the church, when they look at us, do they see the same thing in the profile picture? Does it line up with our life? Because our profile picture is just the picture. If our life doesn't match the profile, then there's a problem. What does our life profile look like? What does our attitude profile look like? Now here's another one. What does our love profile look like. Now I'm not talking about dating here. I'm talking about our love towards one another. Are y'all with me this morning? And, and I can say this, in our culture today, sadly enough, even in the lives of believers, that the picture profile and the character profile don't line up. Because we know how to put a smile. We know how to say the right things. If you've been a believer for a number of years, you know the right Christian lingual. You, you know the right things to say at the right time. But how many know we can say the right things and there can be a lot of unhealthy things going on in our life, in our families, in our marriage, in our relationships, in our finances. And at first glance, we may look okay. But when you take a closer look, there's something going on. Look at your neighbor and say, take that second look. So I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about our life's profile. I think it's something we need to look at, something we need to be aware of, something we need to give time to, to make sure that our life is matching our speech, to make sure that how we're living is lining up with what we're saying. So, I, you know, I'm a, a homeowner. I have a pool. And uh, during the wintertime, um, one of the things I hate to do, I hate to keep up with the pool. How many of you have a pool at your house? All right, two people. All right, that's fine. If you neglect the pool over time, it's going to collect algae, dirt, it's going to be hor- and it is a difficult process to clean a pool. Now, my wife was like, why don't you just get a pool guy, honey? I'm like, I'm the pool guy, all right? I don't need a guy walking around with his shirt off cleaning my pool, right? I'm, I'm the pool guy. Any guys here with me? All right, all right. <laughs> it may take a little longer, but I'm the pool guy. So I'm cleaning this pool. I let it kind of, I neglected it for a little bit of a time, and because we have one of the most uh, rainiest uh, seasons ever that we've ever had. And so I, I just let it go. And I go, when it comes summer and, and it's time, I'll get back in there and clean it up. And uh, I, I didn't realize how difficult it was with the algae and all the dirt. So I took, it took me forever. I mean, I cleaned the filter about 20 times, t- 
tons of chlorine in there. And if you know anything about pools, you got to keep the chlorine levels up, the pH levels up. There's a lot of work that when they try to get it back, trying to restore it. Now, thank God I was able to do it. My grandkids are happy about it. Everybody's happy about it. But as I'm cleaning the filter and I'm working on the pool, I, I, I remember complaining. I'm like, I, I can't believe I let it get this bad. I remember hearing the Holy Spirit clear as day say, son, that's how life is. This is how life is. The longer we wait to address certain issues, the longer it takes to fix, and the higher the cost to clean up. And I believe a lot of times we neglect issues, we let things go, we ignore it, because for the sake of the profile picture, because we look good, because everybody on the outside sees us as doing well, we're not taking a closer look at the deeper issues of our lives, not knowing that down the line, these are the issues that are gonna cause us the most harm. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. This is sobering, man. This, this really is. Because it can look good. It can feel good. I mean, it all can line up like this is the right thing I should be doing, the way I should be going. But the Bible says that it can end in death. So what's going on here? We got to take a closer look at our life's profile. Say that with me. Take a closer look at our life's profile. So I want to talk about King Saul this morning. Uh, here's a king that God appointed. Actually, it wasn't God's decision or his idea. It was the people of Israel. They wanted a king. The Bible says they wanted a king like all the other nations. And uh, so God says, all right, I'm going to give you a king. Here he is. And, and here's the thing about Saul. And what's interesting that his profile picture was outstanding. The Bible says he was head and shoulders taller than anybody else in the land. So we know that he had height. He was good looking. He was handsome. Uh, he was one of those guys that just by his look alone would get him into the room. If he had followers on social media or on Instagram, he'd have him probably a million plus followers. He was one of those guys. But his picture profile did not line up with his decision-making profile or his character profile. And so even though God gave them this king, and we know later he was removed, we'll talk about that in a moment. But even though God gave him this king and God said, literally, this is not the one, this is not what I wanna do, but I'm gonna give him to you anyway. But what it's interesting about it, and I love this about our God, even when we blow it, even when we make mistakes, God's there still to help us through it if we call on him. And so here's what he said. He said, listen, this is not the one we wanted. This is not what I wanted to give you. You wanted a king. I'm going to give him to you. But now, even though it's done, it's been solidified, I am going to be with you. You can keep playing. Yeah, you can keep playing. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, he's all right. Keep playing. All right, all right. Don't quit on me, man. Don't quit on me. <laughs> And so God says, listen, I'm with you now. Let's work this out. Let's keep going forward. The, the great thing about our God is this. Even when we make a mess, God can give us a message. Even when we blow it, man, God can turn it around. If we cry, cry out to his name, if we call on his name, God can turn it around for our good. And that's what God basically did with Israel. He said, listen, this is the king. You wanted him. Here he is. It's all done. It's, it's, it's set in place. And now God says, if you just obey me, King Saul, just do what I ask you to do. If you guys just follow me, I will bless you. Even though it's not what I wanted for you, I will still bless your life. So here's where the story picks up. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10 to 14. Let's look at this together. The Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made King Saul, or made Saul king, 
for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to town or the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went to Gilgal. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. Now watch this. May the Lord bless you, he said. I carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear, Samuel demanded. Now let me stop here for a moment. Because I think there is a misunderstanding. Now I want you to hear me this morning. There is a misunderstanding that my title gives me freedom to do whatever I want. And I think there's some important lessons that we can look at in Saul's life and some lessons that we can take here in this, in this message that will help us in our journey in life with God. Understanding this, that God always looks at the heart and the motive behind what we do. Are y'all with me this morning? And so I want to use King Saul as an example of the things to avoid because it's not about our picture profile, church. It's about our life's profile. It's about our life lining up with what God's word says. So in this journey, I want to look at a few things here. The first thing I put down is this as I was reading this story. Number one, promotion requires greater accountability. 1 Samuel 15, 10 says this. The Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me. The Lord said, listen, his loyalty isn't there. Now here's the thing. God appointed King Saul. God gave him that mantle. God opened that door for him. God gave him the platform. God gave him the responsibility to lead. I mean, God's favor was there. It was, it was all given by God. It's like Pastor Omar said in the offering. It's all God's. Whatever we have today, whatever you have today, it's because God has allowed you to have it. Are y'all with me today? So when you understand that, we must understand that whenever we are given position or promotion or a title or a platform, it doesn't come without responsibility and accountability. You might say, well, not me, pastor. I own my own business. I started this from scratch. I worked hard to attain what I have today. Yeah, but if you don't pay your taxes, guess what? federal government don't care who owns it you're going to jail why there is a level of accountability you still have if you're married here how many are married in the house raise your hand if you're married try not coming home uh, for a couple nights how long do you think you're going to be married why because there is an accountability behind the promotion you want to get married well that puts you in another level of accountability you might say well, I don't want to get married now yeah but if you do understand there is an accountability that comes with every promotion there's an accountability try not taking care of your body for a length of time your body's gonna hold you accountable try not eating right drinking right exercise now I, I fall into some of that category so I, my body has kept me accountable I've said this before, we are free to make any choice we want, but we are not free from the consequences of those choices. We need to take a closer look at our life's profile. I know the picture profile, we're all, we all want that to look good, but let's take a look at our life's profile and see how they line up. For example, let me ask you this question. What kind of friends are we making in our life? You know, your best friend should be that of the kingdom of God. Can I just say that? Like if your best friends are the ones still doing the things you used to do, there's a problem. 
There is a life's profile problem. Your best friend should be that of the kingdom. Your best friend should be right here. Y'all still with me today? How about the places you're hanging out? The places you're going. And we know you're going there because we see it on social media. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, you shouldn't be going to those places. Right? You're like, I want to reach them, though, pastor. I want to I bring them into the kingdom. But you can't reach them if you're getting plastered with them. I mean, how are you going to reach them? <laughs> Here's another one. How about the things we're posting on social media? Now, I can put a whole sermon on this one alone. But can we please take a closer look at the picture before we post it? Oh, nobody liked that one. All right. Can we take a closer look at the caption before we push the send button? Please. You know, like, can we take out some of the cheap shots? I know we're, we, we like to, well, I just want to express myself and be truthful. And yeah, but you're taking cheap shots. If you really want to send the truth out, and see change, why don't you inbox them <laughs> directly? Why do we have to blast them uh, 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 in front of everybody? Years back, there was a, a young lady in my church who, this had to be a long time, this was a long time ago, who posted something, and <laughs> the post, it was, uh, it was just vulgar. There were some things that were being said, and it wasn't directed at the church, but it was just something like it was personal. And I actually inboxed her and said, I think someone hacked you. And she boxed me back. She goes, no, nobody, I'm good. And I go, and then I took a snapshot of what she had posted and I sent it to her and I said, well, did you, did you write this? And she goes, yes. And I, and I, I kind of like threw a laugh, LOL, like, are you kidding me? You don't see what I'm seeing here? And I said, I, I think as, as believers, we have to be mindful with our words and be, have some integrity in our posts because we know that not only believers are following us, but an, an unchurched folks are following us, unbelievers are following us, and how are we representing the kingdom? Not just the kingdom, how are you representing our church? All right. So I put that out there. I didn't put it so everybody could see it. I inboxed her. And she inboxed me back about 15 minutes later. She must have repented. She must have got it right, whatever. Because she inboxed me back and says, Pastor, I'm so sorry. She took it down. My point is, I think that we need to take a closer look at our life's profile. Are y'all with me today? Promotion doesn't remove the borders of responsibility. If anything, it tightens them up. Whatever position, promotion that God grants to you, if God gives you the promotion of being a husband, a father, a mother, a wife, a leader, a pastor, whatever position, boss, owner, whatever promotion, whatever position God leads you to, to be responsible over, it doesn't come without accountability. We are accountable. Even though I pastor a church in the South Bay, my accountability, I am still accountable to my pastors. You're in this church. You hold a position of leadership. You are still accountable to the leadership of this church. Come on. Promotion requires greater accountability. For some reason, Saul didn't get the memo. He thought as being king, if I'm king, then I guess I can do whatever I need to do. Not understanding that when God asks us to do something, when God leads us to do something, we have a responsibility to do what God says to do. Even though we have been given the freedom to make the choices, God says, it's always in your best interest to follow what I say. 
So promotion requires a greater accountability. Here's the second thing, looking at this story. There is a purpose behind every command. And this is huge, church. Are you guys still with me this morning? Everybody awake? Everybody awake? All right. Everybody had some coffee? Some of the coffee house coffee right here? Some of the best coffee in, 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 in Paramount? All right. 1 Samuel 15, 10 and 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I have made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me. There's that accountability. And he has refused to obey my command. So, so what was the command? Listen, when God tells you to do something, when God says it, this is what you need to do. Get it done. Just do it. We don't need the whys. I don't need to know why, God. If God said it in his word, just do it. If God spoke to you through a prophetic word or through your prayer time, if God said, this is what I want you to do, don't hesitate. Get it done. We don't need to know the whys. We don't need all the details. God, if you say it, I'll just do it. How many know that's the best way to respond? Years back, I, uh, and some of you know this, some, some of you may not, um, 20 or 2008, uh, I, I went under surgery for a kidney transplant. And um, my wife, I was really sick. Matter of fact, it was sick, like I was dying sick. And uh, my wife, who I met when I was 13, we just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary a couple days ago. And um, met her when I was 13. Uh, we got married, I was 17, she was 18, got married in this building actually. And been married ever since, 32 years. Um, she was a perfect match for the kidney transplant, which is a miracle, a, a complete miracle. So she donated her kidney and saved my life. And this happened 15 years ago. Isn't that awesome? Tremendous story, man. I, I've shared it here before. And I, 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 I don't know why now I like cry at love stories. I, 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 like, I like Lifetime. I watch Lifetime movies. <laughs> I don't know why. Things, I'm different now. I'm more sensitive. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. All right. <laughs> so, anyways, I don't know how I got on that. Anyway, I was, uh, this is probably around seven, eight years ago, uh, in a deep sleep, and I had a dream. Now, let, let me back up a little bit. I used to be a, like, aggressive uh, monster drink drinker, like, if that's the right way to put it. I, I used to drink energy drinks like they were going out of style, man. I'd drink four, five, six a day, um, just nonstop pounding. I felt it gave me energy, the sugar rush, the caffeine. Um, and, and one night, in a dream, I heard God's voice, and all he said was this, enough, enough. I opened my eyes and immediately I knew what he meant. Done with the drinks. The possibility of those drinks destroying the kidney that my wife gave me, God says, enough. It has been almost eight years, I've never touched an energy drink again. Amen, I've, I've been delivered. I've been delivered. My, my kids make fun of me. They said that in the dream, like a big monster drink came to me and said, hey, you know, I, no, it was God's voice. <laughs> Listen, there is a purpose behind the commands God gives us. There is a purpose behind when God says, don't do this. 
Don't go there. Don't involve yourself in this. Stay away from this. There is a purpose. There is always a purpose behind the command. God is not trying to be mean. He's not trying to kill your joy. He's not trying to ruin your life. When he says don't do something, there is a purpose behind it. 1 Samuel 15, 2 and 3. We're going to see the purpose here. God's going to give Saul a glimpse of the purpose. Even though he doesn't have to, he's going to tell him, he's going to give him a glimpse. So this is what the Lord of the heavens of armies declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came out of Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Now, if you're a visitor here today and this is your first time in church, um, or maybe you've been in church but you never really read this before, haven't really read your Bible as much as you should, and you see this scripture, it can look like on God's part, he's been very cruel here. I mean, really cruel. But you have to look at this a little closer and understand why is God saying to destroy the Amalekites? There is a reason, there is a purpose behind the command. The Amalekites were a type of Satan and a type of sin. They represented pure evil. They were enemies of God, absolute enemies of God. They were the nomads living in the outer, the area of South Canaan. And as, as Israel was leaving Egypt after 400 years of bondage and slavery, I'm talking broken, wills broken, attitude broken, just feeling lost as they're leaving Egypt. The Bible says that the Amalekites came from behind and attacked them. And so God is saying here, it's time to settle accounts. I'm ready to deal with this issue because of what God's seen. And doesn't, let me just say this, doesn't Satan kind of operate the same way when, when we're trying to do the right thing, when God is leading us into the promises that he has, it always seems like he's there to attack. Some of the hardest battles that you'll probably face is when you're, when you're committed to do the right thing. When you say, I'm committed to do the right thing. I'm committed, I'm going to church on Sunday. And it seems like Saturday night, things are just not going right, right? Arguments start between husband and wife. The kids are acting up. Things are just not working out. Why? It seems like there's an assault to stop you from what God is trying to bring you into. Y'all with me? I've noticed that whenever I put a message together and I'm going to speak at a conference or a different church, I know the mind battles, it just seems they seem to intensify. Any preachers can testify to that. It just seems like it gets a little more difficult, a little more challenging when I commit myself to do something for the Lord. And it happens to all of us. My son, who is preaching today at our church, he says, Dad, it seems like every time you ask me to preach, I have a rough week. <laughs> my week, everything just goes wrong. And my counsel to him, I go all mafia on him. Hey, listen, son, this is the life we've chosen. This is the life we've chosen, man. This is it. Suck it up. <laughs> I, I, I tell them that. Suck it up, man. Get used to it. Because part of, it's, part of it's part of the life we, we've been chosen right here. God's called us to do this. And so it seems like every time I'm getting ready, church on Sunday, whatever it is, things, it seems like the battles are raging when we're trying to do what God has called us to do. Can I get a witness this morning? Satan knows he can't stop what God is doing, but he will try everything he can to stop you from following. Come on, somebody, one person like that. All right. If God speaks to you about something specific, something he has identified in our lives, something specific that says, listen, this is not good for you. It's because God sees a bigger picture in your life. 
God sees the bigger picture. He has the aerial view of our lives. And if God says, stay away, walk away, do away with, it's always in our best interest to obey the Lord. Can I get an amen? Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. God's plans are always good for us, church. Always. And whenever he says, be done with this, eliminate this, destroy this, walk away from this, it's because he has something better on the other side. All right, here's the next thing that I noticed in this story. Preparing to execute requires honesty. Preparing to execute requires honesty. First Samuel 15, 2 and 3, this is what the Lord, uh, the heavens of armies has declared. I have, decide, I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when, he came, when they came out of Egypt. Verse 3, now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So again, remember, God doesn't need, never need to explain himself. God doesn't have to explain himself whatsoever. If he says, we just do. But I believe, I believe that because of this difficult task and the severity of judgment in destroying everyone, I mean, that's still going to be the, the, the mind battles that these soldiers have to kind of embrace, the mindset of having to killing babies and killing everything. I, I'm sure there was a struggle in their minds at some point. God says, you know what? I got to give them the whole picture here on this one. So he gets the message to Samuel. Samuel gets it the message to Saul. Now Saul, he doesn't have to because he's king, should relate the message to his soldiers. Again, out of truth, right? Listen, this is why the Lord has asked us to do this. Now he's king. There was no, no recollection that he did that. They just went into battle. But let me say this. The truth is always in the best interest for everyone. John 8, 32 says this. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If the truth sets us free, now watch this. By default, lies keep us bound. Many today are still bound. Believers still bound by some addiction, some behavior, some habit, some, some way of uh, living, something that's still tormenting them. Why? Because the secret has not been exposed. It hasn't been confessed. It's like all the effort to protect the secret, all the effort to protect the lie keeps us more twisted up and more bound. But the more truth is exposed, the more freedom comes to our life. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? And this culture has just lost its mind when it comes to truth. They can't see right from wrong. They believe that just because they say it's true, it must be true. Like one plus one is not three. But there are people that will tell you that. And I can go into the, what is a woman, what is a man? We can spend all day with that one. You can believe whatever you want. It doesn't make it true. Now, I understand as believers, we have to be merciful. We want to reach the lost generation. We want to reach those that are far from God, but not at the expense of God's truth. Not manipulating the truth so that we can adjust their compass, their moral compass, to try to reach them. We don't do that. We love you. We, we, we're praying for you. We're here if you need us. But this is what we believe because it is true. God's worth, his word is the ultimate truth. Are y'all with me today? 
It is God's word. We can't manipulate that. So even though methods and systems and structures may change, the message never changes. Like I said before, when I came into this church, it was there was the floors, the metal chairs. I mean, there was no paint on the walls, white walls. Uh, we had one little drum kit, one piano, and it was. But the spirit of God was moving. I got saved. It was. I mean, the God was really moving in that, at that time. I look at the, the church today, man. Like this is amazing. Look at, the, look at the way we do things today, different than we did back then. But listen, the message has not changed. Sin is still sin. Wickedness, still wickedness. If it was sin back then, it's still sin today. Are y'all with me? gospel doesn't change church God doesn't change just because the culture has become more liberal in its approach doesn't mean the church needs to there's still a standard we have to hold of truth not compromising but living out and you'll be surprised that the stronger we take a stand on truth the greater influence that we have that really is first Samuel 15 3 now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation so we know that the Amalekite nation represented a type of Satan, but also a type of sin. So let me ask this question. Are there some Amalekite behaviors or attitudes that God's ready to settle up in our lives today? Are there some things that we have that we're holding on to that God is saying, enough. Let's deal with this now. Well, not me, Pastor. I'm good, okay? Any grudges you hold on to? Well, is there any, anybody you've been holding a grudge towards? That person, how do I know of holding a grudge? That person walks in the room and your stomach starts to turn. Anxiety kicks in. Thoughts like, what are they doing here? You won't say that out loud, but that's what's going through your head. You're holding a grudge. That's an Amalekite mentality. Are y'all with me today? Been stealing lately? I don't steal, really. Some woman clocking you in for work, running late. Hey, hey bro, clock me in. I'll be there. I'm going to be there soon. Cheating the boss cheating the time, cheating the clock, not putting a full work week in, you're stealing. All right, let me move on. Uh, any, 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 any jealousy going on in your heart? You were good with that 2022 car, but you pull up and your neighbor pulls up in a 2023 and all of a sudden it's like, man, I want the 2023, man. This is not jealousy kicking in, right? How about, how about our eyes, or our eyes, our thoughts lately? Have we, been, have we been really thinking of things we shouldn't be thinking of, looking at things we shouldn't be looking at? Are there some Amalekites that need to be dealt with? There's some things we need to settle up now and God's saying, enough's enough. Stop playing around with this. It's time to deal with this because if we don't deal with this down the road, it's gonna destroy your life. All right. Let me say this, it takes honesty, real honesty, to take a look at your own life and say, it's time to fix this. We have no problem, no problem looking at somebody else's life and telling them, we can see all the problems they have. How many know what I'm talking about? Real easy to look at somebody else's life and say, man, look at them, look at all the things they're doing. But it's very difficult to look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's time to settle up some accounts, man. I've got to deal with some issues that I've been hiding from, running from, keeping secret. God wants to heal this. And if I don't deal with this, then I'm never going to see all that God has for me in my life. And I want, how many want all of God, what he has for you in your life? Then we got to deal with the Amalekites. We have to deal with them. We can't ignore them. We can't just pretend they're not there. That's what happens. We get so focused on the picture profile. We don't worry about the life profile. So let me give you a couple things here, how to measure up whether or not I need to deal with this or not. 
Because there are some issues that need to be confronted, but how do I know, pastor, if this is something I need to deal with? And how do I know if it's something that, if it's, it's gonna affect me down the line? Let me give you five quick things here. Number one, does it line up with God's word? Whatever it is, does it line up with God's word? Does God's worm affirm it or is it discredited? Because that's the standard in which we as believers live by. Not our own truth, not somebody else's truth, God's truth. And so does it line up with God's word? You have to be honest with yourself when it comes to those things in our or your personal life, how does it match God's word? Here's the second thing. Does it control me? Does it control me? Is this behavior, this attitude, is it starting to control me on a level where I have no say-so in it anymore? It's almost like it's impulsive now. I just do it. I just do it. If that's the case, that's an Amalekite that needs to be destroyed. Here's the next one. Does it call me back to Egypt? Some of us here, there are things that God has brought us out of, delivered us out of. And and it was a miracle of God that you came out of that. And now the voices, the friends, the old people from the past are trying to pull you back. If it pulls you back to a lifestyle that you came out of, that needs to be destroyed. Y'all with me today? Here's the next one. Does it violate my conscience? Does it violate the conscience that you have? See, here's the thing. There may be some things that you can do that it's not sin, but to somebody else it may be, but there may be a freedom for you to do it. But if it violates your conscience, so you see another believer that, again, I, and I can go to a number of areas with this, they're doing something, it's not biblically sinful. They're doing it, but in your mind, in your heart, in your conscience, you can't do that because you get convicted over it. So what we like to do is judge and say, how come they can get away with it and I can't? Because God sees your future. God sees the bigger picture in your life. And so it doesn't work for you. So if it violates your conscience, even though they're doing it, stay away from it. Here's the next one. And probably one of the most important. Does it cause others to stumble? Paul said this, listen, if the meat I eat causes my brother to fall, I will never eat meat again. No more carne asada, no more steak, no more, like it's done. It's done. I will, because listen, my believer, my brother, his soul means more to me than that temporary gratification. I'm going to put that away. And, and here's the bigger picture here. If we all believe in the great commission where go out and make disciples of every nation, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not just a command for the leadership of the church. That's the command for every believer. So that tells me for that to happen, if God is going to use us to make disciples, there has to be a measure of influence that we have. So understand this, when you become a believer, God gives you a measure of influence. Now how you steward the measure of influence determines whether or not you get greater influence. So if you're unfaithful with the little influence God's given you, then he won't give you anymore. But if you're faithful with the little bit of influence you have, God will elevate that because he wants to use you to reach more people. But here's the thing, when you have that influence, you have the power to to push people in the wrong direction or the right direction by the way we live. So there's some things that we're looking at in our lives saying, will this cause somebody to stumble? Like, you don't have to post everything on social media, church. 
Years back, I was at a marriage retreat, not a part of this network. It was outside of our network. It was probably about 15 years ago, actually. And um, we were there, and we were in the pool, and everybody's kind of hanging out. And, and so what happened was is that there was a couple that seemed like they were off to themselves. Everybody else is laughing, kind of hanging out. And, and so I, I kind of swam over there, and me and my wife were talking to them. And they were like, we feel a little a little uncomfortable and we're like, what's going on? And I, and I guess what happened was that they were out to dinner with some of the leadership of that conference. And um, they're at the table and the leadership started ordering drinks. And so they're drink, they're all drinking and they, they weren't drinking because he's an ex-alcoholic. And so they're like, hey man, you're not gonna have a drink. And he's like, I, 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 he just got saved and saved three months, um, delivered from alcohol. And he's like, you know what? I'm, I got delivered, man. That was my past. I almost lost my marriage, my family, my job. God changed me. God touched me. Uh, I stay away from that. And they mocked him. They're like, come on, man. You need to mature. They just, and, and he, so he's sitting there. He's saying, and he almost was tearing up when he was telling me this. He said, I can't believe they were mocking me. His wife was crying going, we felt so like uh, rejected. And so I, I encouraged them to listen, man. They're all whack, man. So I, you know, I just don't worry about, it, man. They're they're crazy, man. They ain't safe. No, I, I don't know. I remember what I said. I don't remember. I don't remember what I said, but I, I'm. I went to his defense because we have the power of influence, church, and and God gives us that. So we, we have to be mindful of that because preparing to execute what God asks us to do requires real honesty about our lives. Here's here's the next thing. I'm, I'm gonna finish here in a few minutes. Number four. Pride runs interference with God's commands. Pride runs interference with God's commands. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went in down to Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went out to Gilgal. Now, I get it if you accomplish the mission. Like, if you get it all done, I mean, even then it's still a little hard to go up and put a statue of yourself. He didn't even get the job done. He didn't even finish the task. So he goes and he, and if we know the story, that I'm, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm just kind of giving, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of snippets here, but he goes, he, he, to destroy the Amalekites, but he keeps King Agag, keeps the king, keeps some of the best sheep, some of the best cattle, um, some of the, the gold for himself and for his team. And so we know he didn't accomplish the mission, but in his own mind, because of his pride, he just assumed that he did everything he was asked to do. And so he goes down, he sets up a monument for a big statue for himself. And, and Samuel gets wind of this. Now, years back, I am, I think one of the greatest movies ever made is Rocky. Anybody, anybody like Rocky in here? Anybody like Rocky? All right. Still greatest movies ever made. I went to Philadelphia. I got to run up the steps there. They have a huge Rocky statue. I took some selfies with it. I, I'm having a great time. But I got to be honest. A statue of myself, that's kind of, hard, kind of hard to grasp, isn't it? I mean, sometimes I even have a hard time looking at myself on social media. It's like, oh my gosh, man, look at that. I just, anyways, here's a guy had no problem setting a monument up for himself. His pride, it took over. And understand this, when pride is at our high, common sense is at our very low. James 4, 6 and 7 says this. He gives, he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want, I want to show you something real quick here. Let me, come on up here, man. What's your name? Nikki? Come on up, Nikki. Lincoln. Lincoln? Nikki or Lincoln? Lincoln. 
I like Lincoln, man. Good, good guy. We've known each other for years. Okay, so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, and I read this before, and I want to I show you something here. Because this is what pride does. And I'm going to use a football analogy here. If you guys know football, um, come over here. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Jesus. I'm going to be God here. Just pretend, okay? I'm giving you the football. Here it is. Oh, you know, I can't give him that. Here you go. Here's the football. Okay. This is the call, the plan that I have for you. There it is. You're going to run with that. Okay. Here's the thing. I am going to block for you. All you have to do is follow me. If you know football, you have the fullback that runs through to open up the hole. The running back who has the ball will follow, and that's how you get yards. If you know football, that's how it works. And so I'm going to, I'm going to break through the hole here. You're going to move through. Come on, hold it like a football, man. Do you know how to play football? you know how to play football? Okay, hold it like football. That's not how you hold a football, like this. Hold it like this. Like, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there you go, there you go. Okay, all right, come do it again. All right, I got, I got two minutes. Here we go. All right, I'm, I'm breaking through the hole here for you. Breaking through. Run through. All right, give him a hand. Come on. I know that's not how you really run, but that's cool. Okay, now watch this. Now watch this. I used to think that when it comes to pride, that God just says this. Oh, you want to do it your own way? Okay, here it is. And God would just go, okay, let me get out of the way. Do it yourself. Okay, stop. That's not what he does. This is what he does. Oh, you want to do it your own way? Here's the ball. Okay, now you got to, you run against me. That's not going to happen, right? God opposes the proud. He opposes them. It's not about, let me get out of the way, do it yourself. When we run and operate in pride, God plays defense. Anybody want to play? Anybody want to play against God? <laughs> Thanks, man. Give him a hand. Thanks, Lincoln. Good job, man. Thanks, man. All right, got a minute here. Let me close it up here. The worship team can come now. I cut this a little bit shorter. I'll, go, I'll a little more extended on the second service. I just want to get through this real quick here. Lastly, the price of disobeying God's commands. Now watch this. Saul says, I did obey the Lord. Saul insisted, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everything else. He's just already contradicting himself. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the plunder of sacrifice, so we can sacrifice to the Lord in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering of fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This is where all fell apart for Saul. Now, now, his life had been a life of pride and disobedience. And of course, this was kind of the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back. This is where it all ended here for him as king. Even though he did lead for another 15 years as king, the mantle, the anointing was taken off of him. We know it was put it on King David. And then down the road, King David moved into that position. But, but I want to close with this. And it's 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. Saul and his son Jonathan are out in the battlefield. And the Bible says that Saul, his son, of course, Jonathan was killed, and Saul seen 
that the armies were closing in on him and that he fell on his own sword. So basically Saul at the end of his life killed himself. He committed suicide. Here's the verse which is interesting in this story. So now David's king, the man answered, and I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, or Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the enemy chariots and charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help, I asked him. He responded, who are you? I am an Amalekite, I told him. So, So let me just break this down and I'll close with this. Saul kills himself on the sword, and Amalekite happens to be there. So to think in his mind that he can earn points with King David, because he knows that Saul had been hunting David, trying to kill David, he goes and presents this story to King David and says, listen, you know, I I, I put Saul down. I'm the one that killed him. In hopes to earn some points with King David, now we know the story, King David says, like, why would you do that? Why would you raise your hand against the Lord's anointed? And then we know the story. He got a sword, King David, and he killed the Amalekite. But my point is this. At Saul's death, come on, at his burial, at his funeral, there was an Amalekite. The one that he was supposed to totally eliminate was there at his death. Probably one of the most heartbreaking things as a pastor and leading a church and over the years is seeing good believers, good people, who we know they love God, make poor decisions and continuously make poor decisions. Whether because they're not getting wisdom from the Lord or not seeking the Lord, they're not getting wise counsel, and they're making these decisions only to lead them down a road that they lose everything. Remember this church, our walk with God, your walk with God is an uphill walk. Let me say it like this. Because we're walking uphill, there is no neutral. If you're not moving forward, if you're not progressing, if you're not growing, then you're moving back. It is an uphill battle. We don't, there's no seniority in the kingdom. You don't plateau in the kingdom. I have this many years under my belt, and therefore, I'm just going to stay at this level. No, 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 no. If you are not growing, if you're not progressing, then you're by default going backwards. We are on an uphill battle. And listen, there are always an Amalekite. There's always a type of Amalekite waiting to bring it back. So it's in our best interest, whatever God has asked us to do, let's not worry so much about our picture profile and really take a closer look at our life's profile. Deal with the Amalekites. Can I get an amen? Let's bow our heads and reverence to the Lord. Father, thank you this morning. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.